This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news, and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Update One. This is your host, Shannon Fisher. Today, we are talking about female leadership in journalism. For the first time in history, the National Press Club's leadership team this year is all female. And we wanted to highlight that milestone and discuss why it matters and what it means. Our our guest today is longtime National Press Club member and USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page. She is a shining example of excellence in female leadership and journalism. She has won every journalism award relating to presidential coverage. She's interviewed 10 presidents, moderated a vice presidential debate, and served as president of both the White House Correspondents Association and of the Gridiron Club. And we are very excited to get her perspective today. Susan, welcome. Shannon, it's so good to be with you. So I'm going to give a, a little press club history for the, the listeners. As hard as it is to imagine, the National Press Club did not allow female journalists as members until 1971. And female journalists started their own club, the National Women's Press Club, in 1919 in protest. The major speakers, of course, continued to go to the National Press Club. And so the fight for access to those speakers continued for decades, and it was oddly Nikita Khrushchev's visit to the National Press Club in 1959 that first enabled women entrance to the ballroom during press events. After some nudging, Khrushchev refused to speak unless women were admitted to the event. Sadly, they were admitted, but it was a one and done, and uh, women were then banished back to the balcony uh, until the National Press Club voted to admit women in 1971. So then both, both clubs became co-ed. They ultimately merged in 1985. And then in 1982, the National Press Club elected its first female president, Vivian Valberg. So fast forward now to 2021, and we have elected an all-female leadership team. Our president is Lisa Nicole Matthews with the Associated Press. Our vice president is Jen Judson with Defense News. Our secretary is Jillian Rich with Investors Business Daily. Our treasurer is Eileen O'Reilly with Axios, and our membership secretary is Emily Wilkins with Bloomberg Government. Susan, you first joined the National Press Club in the 1980s, so you have seen the club evolve over the last few decades. What role do you think the rising number of female leaders has played in the modern evolution of the press club? You know, Shannon, it's it's so interesting, and isn't it kind of shocking how recently uh, it was that women were not allowed to be members of the it's press. I arrived, I arrived in Washington as a correspondent for Newsday in 1979, so just eight years after the press club had been opened to women. The vote in the press club, by the way, was not unanimous that mm-hmm. women should be admitted to the press club. There were some uh, members who resisted that. There were shreds of that resistance years later up in the press club bar. I remember as a member in 1982 when Vivian Fallberg became the first woman elected president of the press club. That was a big moment. I think this is also a notable occasion though with the five top leaders of the press club all being women, women with different backgrounds, uh, representing different organizations, bringing different skills to the table. In 
one thing that is a little heartwarming is I think it's remarkable that all the leadership of the press was women. Mm-hmm. It no longer seems stunning, right? In right. 1982, we would have been, it would have been astounding for the whole leadership to be women. It was so hard then, so many hurdles for women to get into positions of leadership, not just at the press club, but in news organizations and in all other kinds of, of organizations. So, so I think this is a, I think this is a, a good thing to note. And I, Shannon, I do think, I do think it makes some difference when women get in positions of power. Is the difference in the, 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 the organization itself? Is it the difference in the career trajectory? What do you think the major difference is when women are, are in those positions? Of course, it's dangerous to make generalizations and right. all women are not alike, just like all men are not alike. Of course. On the yeah. other hand, I think when we see women achieve positions of authority, we do see some differences in the style of leadership that most women tend to take. I think women tend to be uh, more collaborative as leaders. Um, I think they have sometimes different priorities, sometimes more human priorities. I think they're they're more likely to reach across the lines and work with people of different sorts. You know, we've seen this in the press, and we've seen this in, in Congress too, as the number of women in Congress has increased. And of course, that's something we all watch as reporters. But it's been interesting to me that when you look at the people in Congress, say the people, the members of the Senate, who are most likely to work across party lines, most likely to be willing to compromise to reach a deal, who are they? Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia is now leading the effort to get a bipartisan deal with the Democratic White House. She's, of course, a Republican from West Virginia a deal with the Democratic White House on an infrastructure bill. And uh, Senator Gillibrand and Senator Ernst uh, sent both female senators, one from New York, one from Iowa, one a Democrat, one a Republican, are now uh, on the verge of being able to get passage of a landmark legislation that would change the way the military handles cases of sexual assault. The, The senator who is constantly in the middle of negotiations when both sides are trying to get uh, the senators in the middle, that Susan Collins of Maine. So I do think that while you don't want to paint with too broad a brush, you can say that women tend to lead a little differently. And for an organization like the Press Club, which depends on collaboration and depends on journalists helping other journalists and more senior journalists helping younger journalists and all these things, it makes female leadership make a lot of sense. Definitely, definitely. Now, you have written two biographies of prominent women in American politics, and both of your books became New York Times bestsellers as soon as they were released. Uh, Your 2019 book, The Matriarch, Barbara Bush and the Making of an American Dynasty, Uh, and she was not an elected public leader, but she's obviously a, a very prominent woman in American politics. And just last month, your new book came out, Madam Speaker, Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power. So what drives you to highlight female leadership? You know, I was interested in doing a biography uh, for my first book. I was interested in doing a biography of someone who had been consequential, who had had an impact, but who hadn't been fully recognized. Somebody who had maybe been underestimated or caricatured. And... This will not surprise you, Shannon. There were more women than men on that list. There were more, found more women who had done big things and not gotten credit for it, or who had been in positions of leadership but had not been fully understood, even when people thought they knew them well. 
Um, and that was what drew me to these two women who are very different in many ways, as you say. Uh, Barbara Bush was the spouse and mother of President Nancy Pelosi, the most powerful elected woman in the history of the United States. Uh, one a Republican, one a Democrat. But you know what? Both of them, I think, have encountered hurdles because of their gender and, and also have been caricatured or um, um, underestimated uh, by people who did not really see them in the same way they might have seen uh, a, a man in their role. And that was one reason that each of these women appealed to me as, as a life to explore. That is fantastic. The lessons that we can learn from the way the world has reacted to these female leaders can, can take us into time. They're, they're historic lessons that will be informing the future of American politics and American journalism. So That's right. Has anyone been more vilified than Nancy Pelosi by, right, and more effectively exploited as a villain? Uh, I can't think of anyone. Yeah. No? I think your gender probably has something to do with that. But here's something else I concluded uh, that relates to this when I finished the biography of Nancy Pelosi. That is, you know, if you ask somebody, why is Nancy Pelosi in the history books? They would probably say first woman speaker. And that's true. That put her in the history books. But, you know, Nancy Pelosi as speaker would be in the history books if her name was Raymond Pelosi. If she were male, she would still be in the history books because of the consequential things that she has done in her role as speaker. And that seems like another important point to make. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the ability to to kind of uh, corral a, a very, very disparate caucus that has opinions all over the all over the political spectrum and to effectively harness uh, that political power is, is a um, it, it, it really is an amazing thing to see. And so throughout your career, how has how has the role of women in journalism, especially leadership positions, how, how has that evolved um, as you as you have watched the political spectrum change? How has your professional trajectory changed? You know, Shannon, we look at the leadership of the National Press Club and how women have really risen to the top in the press club. That is that reflects, I think, a broader trend in journalism generally. You know, I think back when I arrived in town in 1979 um, as the, the most junior reporter in the Washington Bureau of Newsday, there was not a single woman who was the bureau chief of a major news operation in town. Uh, it was uh, all male. There was a woman or two who had a single person bureau. But if you're thinking about the major bureaus in town, not one single woman. And you look at it now, USA Today, we have a woman editor, a woman publisher. Uh, the Washington Post just named a new executive editor, Sally Busby, another woman. The bureau chiefs of the New York Times, of the Associated Press, the top editor at Politico, the top editor at NPR. Today they are all women. women. And that is really an astounding shift in the space of a few decades. Absolutely. It, it, it really is. And so to, to what do you attribute that, that professional progress? Well, I think it reflects broad trends in our culture. Uh, it reflects pressure that women have brought uh, to combat hurdles that were unfair. I mean, I owe a lot to the women in the generation just a, a bit older than I am who brought lawsuits at Newsday uh, because women were not being treated equally at Newsday, big lawsuits uh, in many news organizations. 
And the women who brought the lawsuits tended not to benefit from the effect even when they went won. It was really the next generation of women who reaped the benefits of their bravery. And I am very appreciative of what they did and the courage that they showed. Absolutely. Judicial precedents, it, it, it really can can have a major effect on every every industry. So that's why those lawsuits are they're they're so important in, in every profession and in personal life too. Now you have reported from six continents. Does the role of women in journalism look different in other parts of the world? You know, one of there's a group called the International Women's Media Foundation um, that advocates for and trains for women around the world in journalism in dangerous places. And, you know, you think about women, the number of women in places like Afghanistan or Turkey or Russia um, or in Central America and in other places where it is really dangerous to be a journalist and the work they're doing, it's just astounding. And it, women have, of course, been in journalism for a long time, even as even as war correspondents, but more as the exception than the rule. And now we just see really women uh, blossoming around the world, even in some of these places where it is most perilous to be out there trying to report the news, to tell the truth, to inform their public. That's fantastic. The the, the support from the community and professional organizations is is so valuable and that is that is to, to see the difference in the national press club from from its founding to now the the growth and and like you said the the general societal growth that is kind of propelling all of these changes to know that it is that it is radiating throughout the world is very very heartwarming and very satisfying now one one question that having nothing to do with women in journalism or leadership you have overseen the Robert Kennedy Journalism Awards, and you participated in panels judging works that were competing for the Pulitzer Prize. Now, I know our members are always seeking to better themselves and to better their work. And so for their benefit, what kind of work stands out to you most when you are considering pieces for awards? You know, it's, uh, it's very heartening to be involved in judging contests because you see the fantastic work that people are doing you know, not just in Washington, where we tend to know each other, but in in places across the country, in Des Moines and Detroit and Phoenix, and even in very small places. You know, uh, we have the USA Today network of papers, papers owned by the Gannett Company, what tiny paper, Stanton, Virginia. Um, and yesterday, Stanton, Virginia, which is near the near North Carolina, sent two journalists, two young female journalists to cover a protest uh, on the death of Andrew Brown Jr. in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, both of them got arrested last night. They got handcuffed. Uh, they got loaded into a police van. They were taken to police headquarters. They've been, they've been now released, although it's not clear if they're going to be charged. And I just, I mentioned that because, you know, you work for the New York Times or the Washington Post or for USA Today. People are aware of the work you're doing. You work sure. in Stanton News Leader. Uh, people may be less aware. So a salute to those two journalists, and I certainly hope they don't get charged with anything. Anyway, it, it, it's it's really heartening to, to be a judge. One thing that I think propels prize-winning journalism is journalism that has an impact. It's one thing to do a very nice story. It's another thing to do uh, a powerful story that results in congressional hearings or gets a law changed 
or forces the city council to retract a questionable decision. Uh, you know, though it's sto stories that have impact are the stories that I think have the best shot and deserve or most deserving of journalism's great prizes. We're not just writing for ourselves, right? We're writing because we think what we're covering is important and it's important if people know about it. And often what we're trying to do is uh, afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. And when that has an impact, that is the most powerful thing you could say. Most definitely. I, taking risks. Uh, it, it really, journalists are out there really trying to get the facts that other people don't know and the impact that stories can have really can be far reaching all around the world. And so, so, so those impactful stories are the ones that, that, that you feel really, really are deserving of recognition and just accolades. That's, that's right. I mean, that's why we became journalists, most of us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so if you can make the case that I did this story about something that mattered and it had an effect, it brought to light something important, it resulted in some action, uh, that is, that is uh, catnip for judges. Excellent. We all, we all want to make an impact, whether we're journalists or, or just human beings, we want to make a positive impact on the world. So back to back to women in journalism specifically. Um, do you have any any final thoughts on on why female leadership in the world matters and and how it impacts the field of journalism? You know, Shannon, maybe I would just say um, sometimes young women journalists come to me to talk about journalism as a career or about um, how to get ahead or just generally balancing work and family, some of those big issues and. There's one piece of advice that I give. I give young women who are interested in journalism, although I think it would probably apply no matter what career they were interested in. It's not that this advice doesn't apply to men, but I think women are more likely to need to hear it. And that is just say yes. That is three words. That is my total advice about what to do in life, which is if you get an opportunity, say yes, go do it. If you get a chance to compete for a new job, go ahead and do it. If there's an opportunity to go cover a big story, go and cover it. Uh, you know, I think sometimes women are more likely to say, well, I'm not really qualified or to say, you know, somebody else could do a better job with that than I can or to say, uh, I'm afraid I might fail. And sure. I would say, so what if you fail? You know what, if you fail, if you try and you fail, you'll figure out what went wrong You'll learn a lesson from it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi told me she learned more lessons from the run race she lost than from all the races that she won. Yeah. Uh, so it's not it, it's not the end of the world if you try and fail. So just try and maybe you'll succeed and it will just open a vista of opportunities that you never imagined. Oh, that is fantastic advice. Yeah, the answer the answer is always no if you don't ask. Oh, Susan, thank you so much. Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today and longtime National Press Club member. We are so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. Shannon, thank you. It's my pleasure. And for Update One, this is Shannon Fisher. See you next time. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's update the number one podcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening to Update One.